0: Welcome to episode 252 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I am one of the co-founders here at ETR, and we are coming off of a breakfast narrative is our king kind of week. Yes, that's right. Cooper Cup is our god. After a 12-target 2 game against the Bucks on Sunday, Cooper Cup now has a 35% target share on the season. 33 of Matthew Stafford's 94 passes this season have been aimed at Cup. He leads the NFL in catches, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. Just absolutely insane. And so now, now we must bow down to the breakfast narrative. Of course, we recently found out that these two bros, Cup and Stafford, sit down each morning to dine. And quite frankly, as the breakfast narrative has assumed dominance, the PSM, the penis size model is under heavy duress heavy scrutiny in the fallout from this Cup stuff. We're having to recalibrate all our data, all our lab mice in Singapore. Cup is just breaking everything despite grading out so poorly in the PSM. Years of data up in flames at the hands of Mr. Cup. And that brings me to cash for the week where, of course, Cooper Cup was a stone lock on DraftKings at just 6,800. You know, they've already bumped him to 7,800 for week three against the Cardinals. But to be honest, for me personally, I actually thought I played worse in cash in week three than I did in week two and was really fortunate to have a good result and book a solid win. But man, I mean, in hindsight, of course, the the Justin Fields play was really bad given the spot at Cleveland, given the offensive line versus defensive line situation that Thorne talked about. Tyreek was probably bad given Brandon Staley's defensive style. Tyreek did appear to be hurt during the game, but still. And, and you could also argue that not playing Clyde Edwards-Alaire at 4,800 was bad. But I thought there was a pretty good chance he'd be punished for his Week 2 fumble, or at least some chance he'd be punished for his Week week 2 fumble. And when he fumbled again in the second quarter against the Chargers, I thought for sure he'd get a role reduction. But he didn't. You know, the Chiefs stuck with him. Daryl mixed in a little. Daryl Williams did. But C.H. still got 68% of the running back touches and most of the valuable ones. You know, and if I knew that, if I knew that not only would C.H. not be punished for his week two fumble but also fumble again and still not be punished if I knew that the Chiefs would stick with him I would have for sure played him at 4800 given the way that Brandon Staley dares teams to run but anyway you know Alexander Madison Saquon Barkley going back to Tyler Higbee despite the week two disaster Godwin with Antonio Brown out Cooper Cup Cincinnati D those were all really good you know and so I think my team was okay, certainly not great, but man, if Derrick Henry or Lamar Jackson have as big of games as they probably should have, you know, Henry big time on the wrong side of TD variance, and then for Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown dropping just some egregious deep passes, you know, it could have been really ugly. And that's just a reminder that that variance is going to be massive, you know, like if you're winning over a few weeks sample, you're not a God. And if you're losing, you're probably not terrible either. You know, I hope you guys saw that Patrick Cantlay quote from the Ryder Cup. It was really great. I quote tweeted it. Uh, You can scroll back on my timeline if you want to read it. But yeah, I mean, Patrick Cantlay understands edges and gambling much better than most people playing DFS do. You know, like if we have a 10% edge on our opponents, we can still lose for a really long time or we can win for an outsized amount of the time. Of course. You know, part of being mentally strong, I think, is understanding this I know last week I was feeling really beaten down mentally and mentally weak after getting crushed so bad in week two like I could barely even bring myself to register for games but shout out to Patrick Cantley for the pick-me-up oh I want to say one more thing on the Justin Fields stuff I hate this you know oh you know meh you know I played Justin Fields but meh it wasn't my fault it was it was Nagy's fault or you know Uh, I played Kyle Pitts, but it's not my fault. It's Arthur Smith's fault. Let's blame Arthur Smith. It's just another form of the weak rationalization and the failure to take personal responsibility that's plaguing our society. You know, when I clicked Justin Fields, I knew full well, I knew that Matt Nagy is a stone-cold dolt. You know, if I play Pitts, I get that there are major questions around Arthur Smith as he slides up the fake sharp model. And so afterwards, I don't say, oh man, If only Fields didn't have Nagy. Yeah, no shit, man. You know, it's not our job to tell coaches how to do their job better or to whine about coaching. It's to figure out how the players will perform in their current situation. All right, just have to get that off my chest. Uh, tournament. So, so for tournaments, I mean, Leone had a huge week. Dink had some really good sweats. A lot of ETR people were in the mix and winning. I think it was the kind of week that set up well for the way we like to play tournaments, as the guys talked about on their tournament review Monday. I want to focus on the Josh Allen doubles because I thought it was really sharp. I mean, first of all, what types of quarterbacks can have true slate breakers? Obviously, the way Josh Allen plays is just the absolute nuts for fantasy, and specifically on DraftKings where... Uh, it's full PPR for as part of your doubles, and you get the 300-yard bonus. You know, the Bills have one of the NFL's highest pass rates over expectation. Josh Allen also has a very deep ADOT, average depth of target. He's also a runner. He's also a runner around the goal line. And then he was also only 700 on DraftKings, significantly cheaper than Lamar, Kyler, Mahomes. If you're looking at our projections, Josh Allen was the second-best value at quarterback and the fourth-best raw quarterback projection, But, but the highest projected ceiling, Raw. So yeah, the Josh Allen to Diggs and Manny, you know, or Cole Beasley, just made so much sense. We only had Josh Allen projected at 9% ownership. He came in at 7%. Diggs was 8%, Manny 5%. Then the bring back, you know, I would have brought back with Terry McLaurin, but Leonie and the tilt space guys brought back with Antonio Gibson. Um, You know, either way, very good players at low ownership. So again, my point is that our goal in GPPs We can win and be different structurally. It should never be the reason to play a dude is just because he's 1%. You know, there's good players, really good players in these 13-game slates going overlooked, really good setups. You know, Josh Allen doubles with McLaurin or Antonio Gibson is obviously a really good double and bring back, and nobody's playing it in a 13-game slate. We don't have to play some dust ball that's 1%. I personally had a couple decent GPP teams this week. I thought the Cousins, the Kirk Cousins doubles made so much sense. I talked about it on Sunday morning on the last minute show, get leverage off of Alexander Madison and, and get access to the best game by a mile in our GPP game scores. You know, get access to DK Metcalf who had underperformed so so much as so far as the bring back. Get access to Justin Jefferson who was underpriced. The Thielen who was very clearly the first read in the end zone for Kirk Cousins. Access to Tyler Conklin who... We talked about a bunch in the preseason and it still has a really good role as we saw and for so cheap. And then on FanDuel, my God, on FanDuel, it was just an absolute stone cold pick them this week. I mean, if you played Madison, Alexander Madison, who was 700 over minimum, and Saquon Barkley, who was 1500 over minimum, you could literally just do whatever you wanted. Whatever you wanted. I mean, I had a Justin Herbert double there with Big Mike Williams and Keenan. I sadly brought it back with. Tyreek, so that was dusted. But my point is more on FanDuel. I mean, people can really hang themselves easier, which is kind of a double-edged sword. And what I mean by hang themselves is, like, if you didn't play Madison or Saquon Barkley and Cash over there, like, you're just dead. The problem is that, you know, anyone with a pulse plays those guys. So then you get into a lot more overlap. And there's also a lot more variance with half PPR, no bonus, because it's so touchdown heavy over on FanDuel. And that also means draft king, uh, defense slash Special teams means more because the scores are lower. But yeah, you know, I know I don't talk about FanDuel as much on here because I just don't think it's as interesting. But if you can game select well over there and find people hanging themselves, you know, it's good for sure. All right, last thing I'll say here is that the props, I mean, props have been a massive grind and a bit stressful as the openers are moving very, very, very fast. But I'm actually really enjoying it, you know, like like fuck the books, you know. It's like so good to bet a prop. And see them move the line or take it down because we they know that we stung them. Like we know they know that we got them. Um if you're a subscriber, please be sure in the Discord and in the props channel. I'm a boomer and it was hard for me to figure out how to get in the Discord also, but it's worth it. Check out the instructions in the drop down from the our team menu. All right. I have talked for long enough. Let's get to everyone's Porsche favorite let's get to everyone's favorite portion of the program. The listener questions. Producer Luke. Hit the theme music. All right, thanks to everyone for the questions. Got a ton of good ones, like 60 something. If I didn't get to yours, I'm sorry, I may save it for a later episode. Question one comes from Blue DFS. He says, I'm 24 years old and I've been going through some love mishaps. What is one thing you know now about relationships or team sex that you wish you knew when you were younger? Would love to hear some insight from the God of the team himself. (laughs) You know, uh, it's so funny. I mean, just like the light reference of me being a God of team sex. I mean, my friends who know me are just dying. Like, it's so absurd. I've always been total, total scared money around girls. Like, I mean, you know, like, never raising the pot. Like I I had zero, zero check raise bluffs in my range with girls. Zero light three bets pre. You know, just check call, check call, you know, bet for value when it's obvious and I'm far ahead, but that's it. So for now to people to refer to me as the God of the team, I mean, it's just the best. So yeah, you know, I'm sorry, Blue DFS. It sounds like you need some real advice in this whole thing. Uh, it's just a bit, I I couldn't fathom anyone less qualified than me at giving you relationship, you know, or love advice. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't help. Question two from Alan Miner. He says, how do I watch football with casual fans? Every Harrison Bryant catch has me screaming MF and Mackey award winner. Chase Claypool catches a ball and I say he really popped in the PSM this week. People are so confused. I just want to be normal. Yeah, Alan, you know, it's brutal, man. Like, I, I, I want to be normal too. Like, I want to be one of the bros, you know, hanging out casually, watching some pigskin, sp- pig rooting for the local team jersey color, you know, drinking some good old-fashioned Budweiser. But obviously I can't, you know? And like, I, I, I feel bad. Like, I meet people, that, these dudes, you know, they know I work in football. So they're like, oh, man, you know, who did you think would win this game? And I have to be like, well, you know, I, I, I really don't, don't know. I don't have opinions on teams. And then I dive into this whole rant about how NFL lines are one of the most efficient markets you'll find and Jerry can pick at 50% against the spread and they start looking at me like I'm insane. And then they say, oh, oh well, well, who's on your fantasy team? And then I have to be like, eh, you know, I don't really play much season-long uh, fantasy. And so at this point, you know, I'm just some like uh, antisocial, you know, outcast, some freak. So yeah, the, really the only answer, Alan, is to get an office, get there at 6 a.m. on Sunday And don't emerge until after Sunday night football is over. It's really the only way to be safe. Question three from Guac is good. He says, would you rather play one lineup for $555 in a 300 person field or 37 lineups in a $15 buy-in 5K field? Yeah, I I get this question or, or some variation of this question a ton. And typically it just comes down to a risk tolerance or a variance question. Obviously, obviously, if you make just one lineup for the week, and you put put it in all your GPPs or one GPP for the max dollar amount you're playing that week, your eggs are all in that basket. And that inherently is going to introduce a lot of variance and binary results. I think for most people, it makes more sense to just try to get as many shots on goal as possible. So if you want to play 500 in tournaments in a week, you play 10 $50 GPPs or five 100s or whatever. You know, remember, these tournaments are so, so top heavy, even getting like fifth or sixth or 8th. It's just not good enough, typically. You need 1st. Or at least top 3. So give yourself a bunch of chances to get 1st in different things, and you'll probably, probably get more enjoyment out of DFS. Question 4 from Al- from Adam Eisenberg. He says, is Alexander Madison now going to be known as 90% Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I mean, obviously. It's not even a bit. like <laughs> It's true. I mean, Madison is good, but... It's just a reminder of how insane taking a round one running back is in real life NFL. Like Chuba Hubbard is going to be fine replacing Christian McCaffrey. Mike Davis was fine replacing Christian McCaffrey. Alexander Madison gives you almost as much as Dalvin Cook would have given you. Fucking Peyton Barber, you know, comes off the street and can do what Josh Jacobs did. First round pick Josh Jacobs. Offensive line play, scheme is what matters. And the Vikings, the Panthers, they have it in their run game, man. And, you know, I don't even want to get into this again, but uh, I still have these NFL, you know, fans, quote unquote fans in my mentions from that tweet I talked about in the last solo pod. It's just so insane. Like they think how good Najee Harris is or Travis Etienne actually matters. By the time the Steelers have a good enough team to compete, the likeliest outcome is that Najee is donezo. Ask Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley or Devante Freeman or a zillion other backs that just got used up. So whatever, it's the last time I'm talking about this. It's so pointless, but yes, of course I'm going to start or continue referring to Alexander Madison as 90% Dalvin Cook. It's an absolute no-brainer. Question five from Z Bark. He says, now that you're out of the city, there are no more excuses left to not get on the golf train. Stop playing tennis and instead get the clubs out and hit the links. Why the hesitation?" Yeah, a few reasons here. Although I did play once since I've been out here uh, in Colorado. It's such a ridiculous story. So Dink was in town and I agreed to play with him, Wiggins, and Peter. And I haven't played since I was like, I am not golf since I was like 12 years old before this. So I don't have clubs, obviously. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, it's no problem. You know, the club has some, some clubs that you can use. And so I say, yeah, but I, I play left gear. You sure? And he's like, yeah, no problem. So of course, you know, it's an hour before tea time. And Peter realizes that the club doesn't have any lefties I can use. So we go to some golf store. We spend a zillion on clubs. You know, I have to have three woods and a fairway wood and four wedges and the latest driver and whatever the fuck else. It's a joke. And and the clubs are used. That's the sick part. He picked out these used clubs. And I hate, I mean, I fucking hate used shit. I mean, who knows what the last owner did with these clubs? I mean, people are such, such, such sick pups. And I could have gone to Dick's or whatever and gotten clubs, new clubs, for like half the price, untainted ones. And it's all a joke because I'm so, so, so bad. Like, I went out there, I lost at least 12 or 15 balls. I probably shot like 140 or something if we were keeping score. But thankfully, thankfully, I had those three wedges. You know, what would would I have done without a 60-degree wedge and a 90-degree wedge? I mean, then I might have shot 141 instead of 140, my God. So whatever, you know, now I have clubs, great. And honestly, all joking aside, it's fun. I get it. You're out with the boys, you know, you smoke a little, you drink a little, you bust some balls, you gamble, you're outside. It's fun. You know, I get it. And I do actually plan to try to get good, you know, take some lessons and play a lot more later in life. Right now, though, like I literally don't have 15 minutes, let alone five hours. And I'm not saying that to complain. You know, my life is obviously great and I have, you know, the most amazing life ever. But when I'm not working on the site or grinding my own DFS or grinding my own props or writing sex jokes, you know, I'm helping to take care of the kids and that's it. Like I can't fathom having five to six hours to golf. Like you might as well just say, Hey Adam, let's go to Mars. You know, it's just impossible. There's just no way. And on top of that, When I do get time, I mean, I just want to fucking battle, man. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just want to go to war in tennis or basketball or something really athletic and competitive while I still can. I mean, I'm 39 now. Uh, It won't be too much longer until I can't do these things anymore at a reasonable level. Like, I'm not going to be 50, 55 years old playing tennis and basketball. Like, golf I can take up when I'm older. So, I know you were looking for like a a joke answer, but that's the real answer on, on all the golf stuff. One day. Question six from Robbie McCall. He says, Can you recall the most egregious cash game lineup a 950 AM toilet shitter has submitted against you? And what was the outcome? Yeah, so many people keep asking me why I don't swap when things look bad after the early games. And I talked about this last week on the solo pod. I do swap in double ups. But you know, I don't want to link to my high stakes head to heads because I don't think that's fair to the opponent. I don't know if they want their their lineups out there publicly. But people, I mean, in these head-to-heads, I'm just floored. Like I have full-blown 9v9s versus people with players I didn't even consider for a second. And so of course I'm not swapping there when I have Cup and Higby and Godwin and everybody, whoever else I had left late. And so, yeah, you know, the noon Eastern toilet shitter lineups beat me and they beat me up bad in week two. I got them back in week three. Uh, You know, I do wanna make a serious point though that I've learned over the years playing poker and DFS. The toughest games are often at mid stakes, because that's where most of the grinders are, you know, that's where the people trying really, really hard are nosebleed is where you get smart people, but people who are successful in other things, not poker or DFS. I mean, watch some of the streams that Garrett Adelstein plays on in live at the bike. I mean, there's a couple other very good pros, but the other people are often successful businessmen or real estate people or lawyers. You know, they're just rich people looking to have fun playing poker. And there's, unda- there's times undoubtedly that like the 100, 200, 400 game is tougher than the ten twenty game. And it's the same thing at DFS. Like the action that I get at nosebleeds is often better than what I get at the $20 level. You know, it seems counterintuitive, but it's just the truth. Question seven from Benny Swanson. He says, have you ever scooped CSU Ram 88 or Al Zeidenfeld in a high stakes head to head before? If so, why? Yeah, no. I mean, I don't scoop ever. Um, Honestly, I can probably count on my hands the number of times that I've scooped someone else's head to head. Like the people posting are just so much less likely to make mistakes. I mean, think about it. If you're willing to post, AKA take on all comers, you're likely trying pretty hard. You know, you're not making toilet lineups on your phone. So yeah, um, I'm almost never scooping. All right. Question eight. Last question we're going to do today comes from Billy Thomas He says, my wife tells me that I'm big when we're making love, but I've seen a lot of penises and I don't believe her. Can I send you a picture of my penis for a completely unbiased review? Yeah, I mean, I have bad news, Billy. Uh, If you have to ask this question, you're in trouble, bud. I mean, your read is likely spot on. It's like when there's no prices listed on a menu. If you have to ask how much it costs, you can't afford it. So I'm sorry, brother. Now, That said, I mean, sure, Billy, you know, send it along, send it along, man. I mean, I'm, I'm here to help. This is what we do here at gender labs, LLC, AKA gender consultants. You know, after we examine the picture, you can use our suite of tools. You know, we actually used our series D funding round to build out more B2C products that can help compensate. We can work with you to increase your ADOP, your average depth of penetration, your PPM, your pumps per minute. We can adjust your launch angle. You know, it's going to be okay, brother. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of the solo pod. I'll be back later tonight with Silva to go team by team. If you're playing DFS, which if you're listening to this, I presume you are, highly recommend the Friday night show we do in conjunction with the Saturday Dink and Leone GPP show. I think if you listen to the GPP show for the first time, your eyes will be opened about the optimal way to play tournaments. Weekly and monthly options are available up on the site right now. Check that out as well. For producer Luke. For Jerry. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.